This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Good afternoon, ladies and gents. What is up? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. Lots to get to today. Got a chance to see the Jets on home ice for the first time last night. A 5 nothing win over a bunch of guys wearing Edmonton Oilers jerseys. Fun night at the rink, though. Did a little bit of intel on some of the new options for fans there, as well as the uh, new look of the arena with all the construction and the $13 million in upgrades that uh, the club did over the course of the offseason. So we have lots to get to coming out of last night's game. First look at Shifley, Connor, and Gabriel Velarde together. And Mike McIntyre was covering the game for the Winnipeg Free Press. He'll jump on in about half an hour or so to uh, break it down and get the latest on uh, all the stories in and around Winnipeg Jets training camp. Um, We've also got some football to talk about, CFL and NFL. And John Hodge from Three Down Nation is going to jump on this. And we're actually going to talk some U sports too. Historic kick by a member of the U of M Bisons becoming the first female to score points in a U sports game. And it wasn't just scoring points. It was the game-winning field goal. So we'll find out more about that story from John Hodge from Three Down Nation as well, um, including the latest on what the Argos are planning for Friday night. I'll be honest, a little disappointing from what we're hearing. Potentially no Chad Kelly. And uh, that has been reflected in the betting line as well, which has been going up steadily throughout the morning. And now we know why. Bombers right now at five and a half point favorites. Um, So yeah, we're going to hear from Rick Bonus. We'll hear from Gabriel Velarde. Chop it up with Mike McIntyre and welcome John Hodge in a little bit later on today on the program. And of course, we've got to talk Blue Jays as well. Yankees and Jays tonight. Jays looking to lock down that wild card spot this week with their final six games at home against the Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays. Kevin Gosman on the hill tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays. Just before we get Michael Remus in here, <clears throat> a big thank you. To all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day, our partners at Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Boston Pizza and Royal Sports, F Apparel, Nick and Nikki DQ, Vita Health and Wallace and Wallace, Little Brown Jug, great to have a Little Brown Jug at the arena last night, Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, and of course we will get to a wide not question of the day for not Autocorp, over at Waverly and McGilvery and talk a little golf for our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. Michael Remus, what is up? How are you doing? Feeling good, Huss. Uh, nice to have a Jets win in the books, 5 nothing. You know, we were funny, we were looking at the betting line. We we're like, Jets and regulation. I mean, you look at that lineup. It's kind of went the way you expected. However, it was close uh, for a bit there, so... Uh, nice that the Jets were able to pull off the win and give the fans some entertainment. Yeah, checking out some of the new... Stuff at uh, Canada Life Center. Are you going to join us on cam today? or uh, uh, No, my camera is uh, being really stupid again. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. I think because it worked yesterday, it would work today. Um, I'll figure it out here. You know what? I had some camera issues this morning as well. I don't know what the heck was going on, but I had to jump on the RP show with Rod Peterson. My camera kept on going in and out, in and out. I was restarting the computer. I ended up having to do it on my phone. And thankfully figured out i don't even know what i did but 
figured it out in time to do the lock shop because Dusty was away today. So Pat and I did it. And now, of course, ready for Winnipeg Sports Talk. By the way, big shout out to everyone that's with us in chat right now. Uh, nice to see uh, BA was at the game last night. Mary Jane and the rest of the crew. Um, we uh, we continue to grow, folks. We're now officially past 9.92K subscribers, inching our way closer to 10,000. The goal is to get there in time for the first game of the season. So if you haven't already, please hit that red subscribe button. Uh, or actually, I'm not sure if it's still red. Anyways, People hit say the subscribe blue. button. People... It is blue now? Okay. They've changed it. Much like Twitter is now X, the subscribe button instead of red is blue. Either way, hit it and uh, give the fellows a, a thumbs up as well. Um, well, you know, we'll talk about some of the things around the game last night. But first and foremost, I mean, a 5 nothing win, Reem. Uh, listen, you can't put too much into that game, especially when you consider what the Oilers brought to town. But I will say this. At first look, Gabriel Velarde looks like a very nice compliment to Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor. They had a beautiful tic-tac-toe goal for Kyle Connor early on to get the team on the board. But to be honest, one of the things, like, I, you know, I was at the game last night. I had some nice seats. I was focusing in on Velarde away from the puck. And I really do think that he, if this is the way this line goes forward, not only can he play and has the offensive chops to hang with Shifley and Connor. Um, it, it's quite clear that coming from that King system, he brings a level of defensive responsibility and aptitude that I think will be very much welcome on that line with Shifley and Connor. Oh, yeah. You know, look, he's a bigger guy. And one thing for the Jets, he's a right shot. And we know how much uh, they needed right shots. Uh, huh? So uh, you look at uh, the playmaking there yesterday, with uh, the pass to Kyle Connor, uh, absolutely beautiful. So, uh, you know, you hope that they have this chemistry. And I think for him, uh, Skate Velarde, he's a guy, you know, hasn't had this opportunity. Look at his average ice time per game. Um, or is it here? Anyways, it was like 13, 14 minutes. I was wondering if this year, if he could get up to closer to like 18 minutes. Uh, or something. Oh yeah, last year's fifteen thirty six. Year before thirteen thirty one, fourteen forty five. And if he get get up to eighteen minutes with all the power play time, he's going to get huge opportunity. And I think it, it seems like everyone is aware of this opportunity that it could mean for him. You know what his career high in points last year forty one in sixty three games. I think playing eighty two uh, would be big for him. Um, you know, twenty three goals, eighteen assists last year. So you know if he plays. If he plays 63 games, I would think he beats those totals. And you play more, you're going to be setting career highs. So what, he signed the two-year bridge deal. So you think that uh, his next one is going to be a bit bigger than the most recent one that he got. And he did sign, what is it? Yeah, the two-year, what, $3.4375 million, million dollar contract uh, AAV. A lot of decimal points. Are we? Is this the way we're doing the show? No, I'm setting up now. But you ask, you ask me. No, I'm setting up now. But you asked me a question, so I'm like trying to, I'm trying yeah. to troubleshoot while um, <laughs> trying to troubleshoot while talking to you. Happening. So yeah, this, I mean, I could have checked it earlier, time. but you just think like the stuff is gonna work because it worked yesterday, and it, like it's just so frustrating, computer. <laughs> Uh, Paulo in chat. Paulo, thank you very much for the uh, super chat. Huss, in April, 
True North said they wanted to sell 3,000 season tickets and asked local businesses to step up. Have you heard how close they are to reaching that goal from your connections at True North? I, I mean, I'll be honest. I have not asked that. That isn't something that they have. I mean, it wasn't like they've been updating people on um, ticket sales throughout the entire year. Uh, and I imagine right now they're still working very hard to uh, to put butts in seats. Season tickets, obviously, is a big part of it. But I, I, I really do think, and frankly, through initiatives like what we're doing with the Winnipeg Sports Talk Pack, um, I think they're realizing that there is a uh, there there was a need to have more smaller packages um, to give people the opportunities that you know couldn't do a half season, couldn't do a full season or a quarter. Some other ways to become ticket holders. Um, and listen, hopefully those are going well. But to answer the question, uh, I don't know. Um, and I guess we'll find out once the regular season gets going because you know preseason crowds. Uh, especially the first preseason game, a little bit difficult to make any judgments for. I mean, like I was sitting in uh, 206 last night in row one. I know those seats are season tickets, um, and there was a few empty seats. Sometimes you won't get people out to that first preseason game. Um, but it is a great question, and I guess we will, uh, we will see. Um, I, I think the focus from businesses was on the season tickets. Um, you know, someone that, as someone that sold seats for so long, um, you know, the corporate community, you know, there's so many different ways you can use seats uh, and many different people that can can use them from a company. And obviously there's a little bit more financial ability as opposed to individuals getting seats and going to every single game. So um, it is a great question. We will see it because it certainly is important for uh, the health of the team going forward. Just while I mention it, speaking of tickets, if you weren't aware we do have a four-game Winnipeg Sports Talk pack. Shout-out to T. Kona Pauly. We're getting him set up to join the crew. Uh, we started in Section 316 uh, and then had such a great response. We moved over across the aisle into Section 317. Four games, L.A. Kings, Dubois' return in October, McDavid and the Oilers, November 30th. The Leaf game, Saturday night, Jan 27th. Well, they'll be wearing the 48 jerseys that debuted uh, on the weekend. And then uh, Thursday, April 4th or 5th against the Calgary Flames. Um, so if, if you're with us on YouTube, hit the link in the description. If you're listening to the podcast, just go to winnipegsportstalk.com and click that link. If you'd like to join us, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have early access. We'll have a WST get-together before all the games in the bar right outside of Section 316. And... Uh, I got to tell you, Reem, it was good to be back in the arena last night. As much as I was interested to see what the team looked like, and obviously Gabriel Velarde and Rasmus Kapari, I was also interested to take a little spin around the rink and see everything that was new, as well as the new beer and concession options that uh, we heard about yesterday in the press release before the game. Yeah, that was the big story yesterday off the ice about uh, what $13 million in re- renovations. Uh, they what they took out Moxies and added some new space in there, adding uh, some local options like a Sal's Nip. Uh, there was a 204 burrito, local beers. Uh, what the premium, very premium. Uh, what exchange restaurant redone. Uh, I'm I'm gonna have to take a look at that. So I'll try to come out Wednesday, Huss, and uh, take the tour. But it sounds certainly exciting, and I'm already seeing people in chat saying that they had an improved experience because of all that. Well, and, and and listen, you know, and I know there was a lot of questions about, okay, well, now the local beer is going to be in. How is that going to work? Where is it going to be? Um, I did a full lap of the lower bowl 
um, yesterday in between the second and third period. And I believe in the old Moxie's area in the north zone, um, there will be a bigger bar that I believe is going to have taps, uh, like, in, you know, in kegs. But they had the 473 milliliter cans available from our friends at Little Brown Jug, as well as TCB and Kilter. Um, and basically, you could roll in there. It was really quick and easy. Um, and the best thing about it was, Reem, that if you are a package holder, um, like season ticket holders have a 25% discount, um, and I believe it goes 20 and 15 for the smaller packages. Um, I was pleasantly surprised when I went to grab a couple little brown jugs at the intermission. Um, with the 25% discount, mm-hmm. it was less than 10 bucks. They let you use the 25% discount on Little Brown Jug because I tried using it last year yeah. on um what was the blended yeah. peak? Banded peak or whatever. And they wouldn't let me they wouldn't you know, let me do it. Last year was just for it was just for I guess whatever it was on tap, Bud and Bud Lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now the local beer is also part of that. So That's perfect. I mean, that was a big that was a real a really big win. And and again, not to be a pimp in season tickets nonstop, um, but that, you know, as someone that has seasons. That introduction of the 25% discount, um, you know, on, I think in the past it had been on like pop, popcorn, water, and beer, which was most important to me. Um, I mean, it really does um, save you, save you some pretty big money uh, when you're getting up to uh, the, you know, the, with how expensive things are at all venues. Um, but I will say this, I think it's pretty competitively priced when you think about what those beers cost when you pop into a little brown jug or, um, you know, get it at a bar. Um, so anyways, that was, that was good news. I think for everyone, we've got some great local beer options. You can get them upstairs. You can get them downstairs. It was readily available. Um, and then the other bonus, uh, was when we found out that the, uh, the package holder discount also applies to the beer. Now, just while we're talking about concessions here reem uh a couple other things that stood out to me the ywg burger that's the new burger place so they've got a social burger which is a burger uh and it's got like ham and cheese and mustard and then it's got like almost like what would be a caesar like with the pickle spear and a big thing of garlic sausage on it that looked good they also have the fat boy burger and I did joke, like, the fat boys are so messy. If you brought one of those to your... Like, that might be something to eat if you get there early at the start of the game. I don't know how fat boys are going to survive, you know, in packed seats. I mean, probably it's going to end up all over your jersey or whatever you're wearing. But, man, the best news. Salisbury House has the Jets nip, which I believe is the cheese nip. Cheese, fried onions... And that, I'm just looking at it right now. It's 12 bucks. That's not much more than it is at Sal's right now as someone that goes there quite often. So uh, I got to tell you, some pretty good-looking stuff. I didn't check out that Burrito 204, but I see Mary Jane talking about that in there. And then there's the new chicken spot as well, the hot or not chicken. Although I will say this, I'm not going to try any of this stuff until the home opener. I figure it's sort of the same thing. Like, if you go to a restaurant and you go on the opening day, There'll always be kinks that they're working out. So I, I, I'm going to oh, give them the rest of the preseason to figure it out. You unplug something? No, I don't think so. Can you hear me? Oh, I think it could be. 
Hello? Give me my mic. Everyone can uh, can hear you. Get out, get out the OxyClean, exactly. Um, are you guys hearing me in chat, by the way? Folks, let me know whether you can uh, you can hear me. Sal's is arena prices in the real world. That's the problem. Hey, buddy. I think we're talking about, uh, I mean, just inflation everywhere. Like, this, that's the bottom line. Um, all right. You guys got me here? Okay, perfect, perfect. All right. Uh, I think You got me? Yeah, I can hear you. I think I, I fried my headphones. Um, I've done this before <laughs> where uh, you shower and then you put them in your ears. I think I, I, think I wrecked them. <laughs> so one sec. So, so you could just, do you need headphones or can you just turn the... Um, uh, I would prefer to the wear them, but it's coming through my speakers. Excellent, excellent. You can uh, figure uh, figure that. out. I thought out. you unplugged your microphone. No, no. I was just I was in the middle of talking. I have and then no, I inter uh, it rudely interrupted you, saying, uh, <laughs> "Don't go to a restaurant the first day it opens." <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyways, that that's that's the lowdown on food and bev at the arena. Um, Jets are going to be back in action tomorrow night against the Calgary Flames. I believe that's the season ticket holder sort of appreciation game that they do during the preseason every year. So I'll be looking to see, uh, interested to see what they uh, do on that. But yes, I'm not going to get any of those burgers or anything until the opener. And then, uh, and then we'll review everything and put it all on uh, the channel over at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, all right, listen, before we bring in Mike... Let's hear a little bit from Bones, who spoke after last night's game, a 5 nothing win. Um, and to be, listen, I mentioned Gabriel Velarde. I should have probably started off with Laurent Brassois uh, because while he was a little busier early on in the game before the Jets really took over, did make some great saves, but bailed out big time. Great defensive play by Neil Pionk, saving a goal and saving the shutout, um, but ended up coming back to Winnipeg in his first game action. Doesn't let in a goal. So a real nice start for LB. Uh, but let's hear what Bones had to say. Uh, he uh, talked about last night's game and what he was looking for from his squad coming into last night's puck drop. Um, again, we're looking for chemistry. Uh, we'll see what that top line, see how Gabe's going to fit in there. And um, Yeah, I mean, that looked good tonight. Uh, their roster wasn't a, as strong as what, um, you know, as ours tonight. So I think the result is based on on the lineups we we should have won that game and we did so but more it's more about chemistry uh with the lines getting used to uh, rasmus taking face offs and penalty killing we got so it's more the evaluation of some of those new guys than anything um just yeah first games again it's like last night it's scrambly it was, was really scrambly there for i think the first couple of periods we looked a little better it looks a lot sharper in the third um so yeah, it's, it's just get the first game out of the way, see where we are in terms of who's catching on to what we're trying to do and go from there. All right, there's Bones after the game last night. And again, uh, <laughs> you know, first exhibition action for uh, everyone that was playing last night for Winnipeg after the group that went out to Edmonton started things off on Sunday night. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of slowly creeping into a game action, but obviously getting a chance to see some of the new players. Um We'll hear from from Bones on Rasmus Kapari um, in, in a bit because we also got a first chance to see him. And tell you what, I think he's going to do a lot of really good things on that uh, on that line. Um, but 
maybe not a sniper. Uh, I mean, maybe that's why he fits well on the on the fourth line. Uh, of course, David Gustafson's battling for that spot or a spot on the roster. It's at the 13th forward, and Gus ended up popping one uh, well, on a deflection as well. So a nice performance for uh, for Gustafson to get on board. Um, but I think the real intrigue from most people attending the game last night was on Gabriel Velarde and how would he look with Mark Scheifele and with Kyle Connor. Stanley was fine last night. I mean, it's not like he, uh, you know, was uh, was terrible or anything like that. But, I mean, he's got to beat one of six guys for a spot, not to mention, you know, a guy like Declan Chisholm and Billy Hanela, who have looked great so far, also challenging for spots. So I'd say uh, big stands in a relatively precarious position as far as playing time, maybe not necessarily on the roster, uh, but Dylan Sandberg looked good. I'll tell you who else looked good last night, I thought, Neil Pionk. I thought Pionk uh, was, you know, establishing himself well offensively, um, was playing hard, was getting in the corners, was doing the things that, um, you know, he has done before without, um, I mean, listen, this wasn't a perfect game or a clean game by any stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, you know, when I'm looking at Neil Pionk, I want to see him playing with that confidence in the offensive zone, the aggressiveness that he's been when he has been at his best, and obviously minimizing the mistakes and, uh Again, the jury will be out on that when we get to the regular season. But I do think Neil Pionk has the real potential to, uh, if he can have a huge bounce back season, um, could be a big, big difference maker for the Jets as opposed to, you know, a rougher season that he had last year. All right. I think we got Remus back. So let's uh, get to this second clip. Um, we were all interested to see what Gabriel Velarde looked like with Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor. And Rick Bonus spoke about number 13 debuting on the top line after the game even five on five you can they're really starting to read off each other um but he looks very good as down around that net what you love about him is his is his strength with the puck he hangs onto it doesn't throw it away and he's gonna he can win some battles low and that's gonna help mark and casey a lot to have a big strong winger like that that can hang onto the puck and make those plays like for a defenseman trying to kill that penalty the way as quick as he moved that puck it's almost impossible right it, it is you're taking away one thing and he moved it so fast so he's got great hands for a big man and he moves better than you think um he's he's he's, he's a faster skater than you think all right so there's a rick bonus um yeah i mean he doesn't look like a burner but certainly was not out of place with those guys and as i mentioned right off the bat one of the things that I think he brings to that line, um, and listen, hopefully he, Alex Iafalo, and Kapari, for that matter, um, you know, is just that base of defensive responsibility that can help make all of their lines better in their own end. Um, and 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 who knows how much they've talked to Villardi about this, about where he fits on that line and what his role is. Certainly in the offensive zone, he can snipe, he can make a nice pass, as he did one that beauty to Kyle Connor. Um, but I think the benefits to him being on that line are going to be more than just in the offensive zone. Certainly that's what we hope, considering kind of the defensive issues that the the 81 and 55 combination has had at times in the past. Um, Bones said a little bit more to say about Velarde and just the opportunity for him starting this season and last night's game with Kyle Connor and Mark. 
He's a young player. You know, he's been he's had some injuries over the years. We're going to give him a far more important role with us than he was given in L.A. just because of the injuries and the lineup they had. Um, and I, everything I hear and watch from looking at his games last year, he's ready to take that next step. And we can, and he is, and he will take that next step with those two guys. He's playing with two excellent hockey players, and I think he realizes the opportunity he has for his career. All right, so there is Rick Bonus on uh, Gabriel Velarde and the opportunity. Rima, I just want to skip to number five because I do want to get to Rasmus Kapari coming up with Mike McIntyre. Uh, before we talk about it with Mike, here's what Bones had to say about Kapari, the third piece of the package coming over from the LA Kings for PL Dubois. Yeah, well, again, that's especially he and Morgan because of the penalty kill. They're going to spend a lot of time together. And, and you know, so um, it was good to see that. He won some face-offs. Again, it's a new player that we're try- uh, trying to get used to, but I really liked what we saw from that line tonight uh, with Vladdy on the right wing. So that that's, that's a really good-looking line at this point. All right, there's Bones on uh, what projects to be the Jets' fourth line with Kapari and Morgan Barron uh, and Vladimir Metznikov last night. We'll chop it up with Mike McIntyre coming up in just a moment. But first, let me thank our friends at Modern Man Barbershops. Now with eight locations in Winnipeg, including their two newest locations on either Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Fellas, Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow at Modern Man Barbershops on Instagram. Um, God, you know, we still have pool weather. It is absolutely gorgeous outside. Um, but maybe you're thinking about making the plunge for 2024. Of course, Aquatech are the pool experts in town. What you might not have known is that whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of renos as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. Um, if you're ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even at a man cave, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. And listen, while we enjoy this gorgeous weather, just know that winter is real and winter is just around the corner. Now's a great time to make sure that you've got your battery situation taken care of for the long and less than hospitable Winnipeg winter. The best place in town to get your batteries, of course, is Manitoba Battery. You're shopping local. You're getting the best prices in town, beating the pants off the big box stores. And the best thing about it, whether it's a car battery, truck battery, or battery for anything else you need, Donnie and his staff will deliver it to you for free anywhere inside the perimeter of Winnipeg for any purchase over 60 bucks. It's that easy. Get on down to manitobabattery.com and order online. Give them a phone call or Pop by and see him in person and say hi to Donnie and his staff at Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue. Well, we're going to get to this bomber game coming up with John Hodge. No Chad Kelly. Well, we might not see Chad Kelly, but we're going to see a sold-out crowd at IG Field, and I just hope they're stocking up the Canadian club heading into Friday night. Canada's favorite whiskey is also the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and WST. Find it throughout IG Field and keep your eye out for Canadian Club and Ginger Ale as well. Premixed cocktails in cans available at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, your favorite beer store, 
and IG Field on Friday night. All right, let's welcome in Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. Mike, great to have you back on the show. It was great to chop it up an extra time on the weekend. Thanks again for doing that. It was great to see you at FanFest. It really was, Huss. Always nice to, uh, you know, I, I like seeing your face through the, uh, the the magic of technology and the computer, but it's always great to sit down face-to-face in person. Uh, and there was a lot to talk about. It was, it was a great day for sure. Um, you could see what it meant to the Jets, the players, especially the guys that were kind of new to this organization to get a sense of kind of what Winnipeg is all about and just how deep the connection between the the club and the community runs. And uh, yeah, the guys put on a, a good production down there with the, the jersey unveil and all the fun and games that they had. And Hey, the Jets went out and won a couple preseason games to kind of keep the good vibes going. Not that those games mean a whole lot, but uh, I'm sure fans are fans in this market. I suspect are uh, in a pretty good mood these days, as they should be. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, as I say, I went to the game last night, um, and listen, I was interested to seeing the new beer and uh, what the burgers were like and all of that. Although I, I, I'm waiting for the home opener to actually get the food. I figure, much like a restaurant, you want to. I want to give them a few days to get things right, and that's what the preseason is for, much like the hockey club. The finished product doesn't matter quite as much, but you're working towards being ready for the big night on opening day. Um, Listen, before we even talk about last night's game, uh, any takeaways? A lot of people didn't see the game on Sunday. Uh, The one thing that stood out to me is I think the potential that Alex Iafalo brings to that third line to maybe take it up another notch as far as both defensive uh, acumen, but also the ability to maybe create a little bit more on the other end. Let me start just by saying, for those who weren't in the arena last night, Hus, doesn't the the new concourse area just look tremendous? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's it, it it's up there now with what they've done and I realize there's still some work being done kind of like the hockey team is yeah. under construction through <laughs> training camp the the rink itself remains under construction uh up until opening night but uh my goodness it it looked slick it really and it's it's so much more roomy like one of the complaints and I think it's a justified complaint people have is how cramped and crowded it can get and that you know, that area when you come in off the Portage and Donald entrance and kind of around the the Budweiser club section there, like they've opened that up significantly. And uh, it was impressive to see. I, I think I heard a lot of comments from people that were there that that were impressed. And I, anybody who hasn't seen it yet, I think they're going to be suitably impressed. As for the on ice product. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree, Huss. And I think last night was a continuation of just how different the bottom six of this team can be with Alex Iafalo playing on that third line adds, you know, I, no offense to Morgan Barron, but Alex Iafalo brings a little more polished NHL resume and, you know, some additional scoring punch. So that's a line that you're not losing anything by having an Iafalo there. Kind of if that, if you want to use that line in a shutdown role, Alex Iafalo can, can kind of do a little bit of everything, but he can also score and, and, you know, generate chances. And so between what I saw on Sunday in Edmonton watching online uh, from that line, and then the continuation of last night that I know we're going to touch on and, and what that fourth line, which last night played as a second line, the Kapari Baron 
uh, Nemestikov line, I think there's the potential that this Jets team, they are four lines deep. And when you look at, you know, potential numbers, what, what kind of offense, I don't know if you could identify any player in that top 12 that you'd say isn't capable of hitting double digits in goals. And when's the last time you could say that about, you know, the bottom six of the Winnipeg Jets? Um, probably never. Yeah, you're right. Probably never. Um, and the Jets have had some, you know, really interesting third lines. I think we look, you know, that 2017-18 run to the West Final. Obviously, you know, the 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 Hanev-Lowry-Cop line, like that, that was probably one of the best third lines that they've ever had in this organization. And obviously different players, Adam Lowry being the, 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 the holdover, the one that's still here. Um, but yeah, I mean, Aya Fallow and Mason Appleton, who I think really feels like there's a lot more offense there that we haven't seen. And he's a guy who's obviously had some injury issues. He can stay healthy, get a little confidence going. Um, you know, I think the Jets, you can roll four lines, doesn't matter, matchups necessarily. And they're going to be a threat, you know, to, to do damage in the offensive end, but also not necessarily give up much in their own end. And it's a great position for Rick Bonus to be. I suppose the only ones, Huss, that maybe aren't all that excited about the depth that the Jets have it forward are the, the guys that aren't in that top 12 right now, the so-called bubble guys who probably thought, and I'm looking at guys like Gustafson and Harkins and Toninato and Fialbi, who maybe thought, hey, there's a chance to to crack this lineup and move up. Actually, it feels the opposite. This lineup's actually harder to crack this year than it was a year ago when those guys had trouble getting in on a regular basis. No, exactly. I mean, essentially, I mean, the minute you turn Pierre-Luc Dubois into three players that are going to be in your top 12, <laughs> it squeezes out a couple guys that, you know, were on the bubble last year. We may as well get to this right now while you bring it up, Mike. How would you rank the battle for that 13th forward job? Um, you know, is there a leader right now in the clubhouse, if you will? And, um, you know, who are the guys in the mix, in your opinion? Well, you know, I think Dominic Toninato didn't hurt his cause on Sunday night. He scored that really nice, you know, shorthand or uh, breakaway goal. Really nice move there. And we know Dominic Toninato is a guy that is versatile. He can kill penalties. Um, you know, he's a guy that it, there's consistency to his game, right? There's not a lot of flash there, obviously. Um, but you kind of know what you get with Toninato. He's a veteran. He's been around. And he's a guy that could probably fill that 13th forward spot quite capably where he might go a few weeks between games. He won't complain. You know, he'll be a great practice player, good for the kids, that sort of thing. So he certainly helped his cause. Um, the other guys that played on on Sunday, I mean, Jansen Harkins, to me, I didn't notice Jansen Harkins a whole lot. He's a guy that certainly he's... He's produced at the AHL level, and to his credit, when he got sent down last year, he didn't go sulk or pout. He he performed really well for the Moose. I just wonder, you know, Jansen Harkins has got to really show something here in camp. It's just one preseason game. I didn't see a whole lot there. Axel Janssen, Fialbi, I mean, again, Rick Bonus kind of knows what Fialbi is. He's, he, speed is obviously his game. I thought he was just okay on Sunday, not a lot of flash. So if I had to handicap it after Sunday, I'd say Toninato was the clubhouse leader. 
But of course, a couple of guys didn't even play, one of them being David Gustafson, who certainly didn't hurt his cause last night, Huz. I realize it was against a watered-down lineup. He's a guy, though, and we talked to him late last week. He knows that he has to produce a little more offense um, if he wants to stick. This is a guy with one goal in 74 career NHL games over four seasons. Like, you know, he's often around the net, but whether it's bad luck or just not a lot of finish there, uh, I think the Jets would like to see some more out of him. So to get a goal last night, again, circumstances being what they were, uh, is not a bad start for Gustafson. Um, you know, Christian Reichel, I thought, had a nice game last night. He was certainly, he's certainly in that mix. Jeffrey Vial um, took a couple penalties last night, which I don't know that that helps his cause. You know, he's a guy the Jets went out and signed on July 1st to maybe add a little toughness. I just don't necessarily see a spot for him right now. Um, so I'd say, you know, after two preseason games, Huss, Toninato, Gustafson, and honestly, I, I think I mentioned this the other day at FanFest, like to me, Gustafson is probably the guy that I'd give the edge to just because he's a drafted and developed guy in the organization and he would have to go through waivers if the Jets want to send him down. And kind of like Johnny Kovacevic last year and the conversation we'll be having about Declan Chisholm, I just don't know if you're the Jets that you want to potentially lose a guy that you've invested a lot in, especially in Gustafson's case. There's still some youth there for sure maybe some untapped potential, some growth. So to me, I'd still give the edge to Gustafson as the guy most likely to crack the roster as number 13. Um, we'll see what these last four games kind of uh, how they play out. Yeah, I'm sort of with you as well. I mean, I think logic might point us to Gus being that 13th forward. I'll say this, though, Dominic Toninato. I, I think that he is a bit of a dark horse for this role. I mean, obviously, you know, whatever happened in the game last night. But if you think about the way that he handled himself last year with the Moose, um, I mean, listen, the, the guy that's in that position is going to be in a tough spot. They're going to be doing a lot of extra skates. They're going to be in the press box quite a yeah. bit, barring injury. And part of me thinks that Toninato, being maybe a little bit more of a veteran player, might fit that role a little bit better. Um, listen, David Gustafson obviously is going to want to be in the National Hockey League and getting that paycheck. But at the same time, if he was able to get to the American Hockey League, at least he's able to play and continue to grow. Because the one thing that Gus does need is reps, and he yes. needs game action. And yes. he's either been hurt or whether he's been here, he's been playing in a very, very limited role. So that's going to be an interesting discussion. I would think that if the Jets were confident that they could get Gustafson through waivers, they might go exactly that route. But I am with you. I mean, uh, I think they would prefer not to lose a player for nothing. And uh, I think in all likelihood, if you put all of those players that are up on the list right now, Gus, Toninato, Harkins, Axel, Reichel, and VL, the one player that would most likely to possibly be picked up by another club I would say is Gus I agree and and so it's a big it's a big risk for sure now are the Jets are the Jets willing to take that risk um you know and and then we're gonna get an answer to that of course you know this is assuming the 12 guys and right now of course Nikolai Ehlers hasn't played yet in a preseason game and has those next 
neck spasms, which we're told are not a serious concern. And he skated yesterday on his own. The hope is that he'll be, the Jets are off today for those wondering. Uh, but the hope is Nikolai Ehlers will be um, back with a main, with one of the two groups tomorrow skating. Uh, so assuming everyone makes it through camp healthy, the top 12 really does seem set. And you're right. I mean, if there's not injuries and the top 12 is going well, the 13th forward, they're going to do a lot of extra skating and a lot of press box sitting. And that certainly won't help David Gustafson and his development. And to your point, Huss, Coninato is kind of, he would be the forward equivalent of Kyle Capobianco last year, who was the perfect extra defenseman, a more veteran guy. You're not stunting his development by not playing him. You know, great teammate, good soldier, all that stuff, who can step in if and when you need him, and you know you're going to get an honest effort from him. Um, So that's a decision that obviously the Jets are going to have to make, and they're going to have to make a few of those decisions because, again, going back to the blue line, and I found it interesting, Huss, if we want to transition to the blue line on Sunday, I thought Declan Chisholm looked really good. He played, I think, 23 minutes. He was out there often against Nugent Hopkins, Kane, Hyman. I realize McDavid and Dreisaitl didn't play. The Oilers dressed a much better lineup on Sunday. And, you know, Declan Chisholm with Dylan DeMello at his side got a lot of the, the matchups and did not look out of place at all. Um Last night, I found it interesting that Logan Stanley and Kyle Capobianco were paired together because after what I saw from Chisholm and, again, the waiver risk with him, it really feels like it's going to come down to Stanley or Capobianco for that other defense spot because I really think Declan Chisholm breaks camp with the big club as maybe the number seven guy. Uh, so in that sense, Capobianco and Stanley, there may only be room for one. Um, both guys, you know, Capobianco scores last night late in that game. Logan Stanley had a nice shot that led to a goal on a, on a tip. Um, that, that may also come right down to the wire, kind of like the 13th forward spot. Some tough decisions for Kevin Shoveldayoff and company. No, it is funny, though, that we're sitting here spending all this time talking <laughs> about the 13th forward and the 7th or 8th I defenseman know. because Bones, for all intents and purposes, told us that we know what the lineup is when you we sure start did. the season. And we're pretty sure about the top six on D. We're pretty sure about the top 12 up and forward. And those battles right now, the limited battles are, are essentially for popcorn duty. Yeah, and I, I don't want to slight Vili Hanel. I know he's got a lot of fat. Vili looked really good on Sunday. Oh, he was too. awesome on Sunday. He was, and so it's it's almost painful, and anybody who liked, loves Vili is going to hate to hear this, but again, he, he's, he doesn't need waivers, and that is probably going to be held against him. And kind of like your point you made with David Gustafson, I would say Vili... Even more so, he needs to play Huss. Having him sit as the number seven guy or the number eight guy does not help him at all, doesn't help the Jets organization. And the 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 fact he he doesn't need waivers is unfortunately going to work against him again this year unless they run into kind of a, a bunch of injuries or the thing that we kind of thought all summer Kevin Sheveldayoff might do, but he didn't, which was make a move or two to open some space. There's been no space opened up. Everybody that was here last year is back. 
And the only difference is, is Declan Chisholm and Billy Hanela are a year older, a little more seasoned, a little more polished. Oh, yeah, and Declan Chisholm would need to go through waivers. Um, it, you know, you can file this under good problems to have. The fact is, if you're the Jets, it is a problem. Um, and it's one that, uh, you know, may come right down to close to October 11th. That's when, obviously, the 23-man opening night roster need, needs to be set. Um, so we may not get, you know, any answers on how this is going to resolve itself till close to that date. Could Kevin Dayoff pull off a trade, you know, between now and opening night? If if they see enough of whether it's Declan Chisholm or Vili Hanalo or something from the forward group, I think would be more likely or more unlikely to see any trade action, you know, when we're talking clearing up for depth forwards. But certainly on the blue line, is there a trade to potentially alleviate a log jam? Um, you know, guess remains to be seen, but I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah, Kyle, John, and chat. Remo, if the Jets placed a guy like Chisholm in the AHL to start the season and left him there, would that protect him from a waiver pickup? Well, he can't go to the American League without being put on waivers. Right. So, um, Getting it, him there is the problem. It, it, exactly. Now, Mike, I mean, we always have this conversation each and every year, and it is somewhat of a poker game between 32 general managers is. on their assets as to what will be exposed as well as when um, these players are put down. I mean, you could see, I and mean, sometimes guys get sent down a little early before these other teams have made their decisions and they don't necessarily see there's a spot for them. Right. Um, we see it with goaltenders all the time. Guys clear waivers and are there, and then all of a sudden there's a need somewhere else that if he would have gone on waivers at that time would have been picked up for sure. So I, I would be fascinated to know what happens, and this isn't exclusive to the Jets, just how much work they're doing with the depth charts and boards of the other 31 teams in the National Hockey League because um, there is some risk anytime you put any of those players on. The idea is not to lose guys for nothing. And obviously, if you feel that there's enough of a need to you know, exhaust other options, often that's when trades happen um, yeah. just because, you know, and it's better to get something as opposed to nothing. Um, but like every year, there's dozens of players that get picked off on waivers and left off waivers, and you kind of win some, you lose some. And the most important thing is putting together your best group, the team that's going to be on your squad, even if a guy's been in your organization for a few years. Yeah, and that's a great point by you, Huss. Don't for people who maybe aren't completely aware of how waivers work, like a team can't just grab a guy with the idea of okay, now we'll we'll put him on our farm team. Like if a if a team makes a waiver claim. You've got to keep him on your NHL roster. You've got to have a spot for him. Um, and I believe it's been a while since I looked up the rules. I believe it's 30 days they got to stay on your roster before they could then go back. And then the team that waived him, if they, the, I mean, the, Eric Comrie is a good example, right? A guy that a few years ago, like, got reclaimed. Waiver wire world tour. He did go on the tour for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if the Jets are going to risk putting guys like that on waivers, I'm sure there's some degree of, of you know, it's a calculated risk. And part of that calculation would be, okay, who potentially has a spot for him? And, you know, who would, who would that player be replacing on that team that, you know, that they, they believe that they would be better, a better fit. So there's some strategic uh, element to it. And you're right. We often see waiver, 
moves done a bit early because that's part of that risk calculation. That the idea that you could sneak a guy through at a certain point when maybe a little later on you couldn't. Um, so when I said that, you know, some of these decisions may come right down to near opening day, um, I suppose it's possible that they could actually happen earlier if there's that calculated risk that's involved. But it is funny, Huss, you know, we've spent the first chunk of our time here, like you say, talking about essentially guys that won't get into the opening night lineup. Um, and I guess that's a pretty good, you know, if you're a fan of the Jets, you know, and, and that's the big talking point, that certainly should give, I guess, some degree of comfort of what they have in the top six and the top 12 when it comes to, you know, the forward in the blue line. And we didn't even talk about Colin Dealey and how great he was on Sunday. And he's the third string goalie right now in the organization. Speaking um, of waivers. Who also, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, the Jets, it feels like this is as deep as they've been. You could argue that the high-end talent, you know, you could say that there's been times where they've had maybe a greater collection of high-end talent at times. Um, you know, you go back to 2018, obviously, and what they had in that Western Conference run. Um, but I, this does feel like it. It it's one of the, if not the deepest teams when you're looking at, you know, third and fourth potential D pairings and third and fourth and fifth and sixth lines. I mean, I was chatting with someone the other day just about the guys that, aren't even going to get a sniff with the Jets this year, likely because of what they have and just how stacked the Manitoba Moose might be because of what they're going to have. If the Jets can get all these guys through waivers, I mean, my goodness, the Manitoba Moose could be a juggernaut at the AHL level if a lot of these players play to their potential. No, there's no doubt about that. By the way, great to see a few newcomers in chat. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk, folks. Play nice in the sandbox, and if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button as we push closer to 10K by opening day, October 11th, and uh, hit that thumbs up while you're at it. You know, Mike, I want to talk about a couple forwards that played last night, but just while we're talking about the blue line, I mean, you pretty much laid it out. I mean, we all know what the, the battles are, uh, the players. The one guy we saw last night that we haven't mentioned that was at the top of my list looking forward to see play was Elias Salomonson. And I'll be honest, in a different situation with different personnel, I wouldn't rule out him being able to play right now in the National Hockey League. And I'll tell you what, it really does feel like a bit of a glimpse into the future seeing him play on the right side with Josh Morrissey on the left. Um, it was hard not to just focus on him sometimes to see where he is. I mean, his poise... Um, there's not one thing that he does that just jumps off the page, but if you watch him closely, it seems like he does everything really, really well. Did you kind of have that same opinion on what we've seen from Elias so far? I did, and don't forget, this is a kid that maybe just turned 19. Like yeah. he's 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 young. Um, he's got really good size. Like the first time I saw him, he's bigger than I thought he was. Um. And I thought last night, Huss, I mean, there's a reason I'm sure they've paired him with Josh Morrissey. And it's what you just kind of touched on, that glimpse into the future. Kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, 
back in the day, they used to give Dustin Bufflin kind of the best young prospect um, and and let that guy skate win. Buff used to ask for that, actually. He'd say, like, give me the kid. Um, and Josh Morrissey, you couldn't have a better mentor, you know, on and off the ice. And in, in Solomonson, I mean, this is a kid who, like I said, is really literally just a kid. But the poise that he plays with, the hockey IQ is very evident. I thought Huss maybe in the first few shifts last night, as one can expect, a little bit of nerves. I mean, everybody, it was pretty helter-skelter that first period, you know, before the Jets kind of really started to, I thought, dominate and pull away as they should have given the disparity in the rosters last night. Um, but by the third period, I and mean, then Salomonson looked like, you know, he, he'd done this for a long time. And, you know, I suspect, like, he he can't play in the AHL this year. And that's a little unfortunate, Haas, because you you almost think, like, maybe that would be the perfect starting point for him to get him into the pro game in North America right away. But his contract that he has doesn't allow for that. The only way he could play in North America this year is if it's in the NHL. He doesn't have that AHL out clause. So it's, it's likely he's going to go back to Sweden for another season. He's um, playing on a really good team, though, and playing is. on a top role there. I mean, it, this is not like, you know, it's not like he has to go back to junior, like with no. some of those Canadian players. I mean, this no, is a, think... a high-level league, a real strong team. And I, like I, to put it this way, I think it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, to be perfectly honest, as far as him. Like, he'll be fine whether he was with the Moose or back in Sweden. And as you said, Haas, you know, if circumstances were a little different, if the Jets didn't have the logjam that they did on the blue line, like you could argue that as promising as he is, um, they can afford to be patient with. They don't need to rush him um, because of what they currently have right now, you know, on the roster. So um, a little patience will likely pay off. But yeah, I mean, I think we we saw a real glimpse. And again, Huss, the, the Andrew Kopp, Deadline deal is going to be one that we're going to be talking about for a long time. Arguably, Kevin Sheveldayoff's best move. We already are seeing what Morgan Barron can do and has brought to this team. Um, Brad Lambert certainly shows all kinds of potential, um, you know, to, to be a player that could be a fixture on this team for years to come. And then if Selimanson also hit like if, if all three of those guys, Baron Lambert and Salomonson, hit for what ended up being basically a six or seven week rental for the New York Rangers for Andrew Kopp, a guy that the Jets at that point weren't going to be re-signing anyways, and the Rangers didn't end up re-signing. That's one of those heists that that can really uh, put a franchise, you know, on on the fast track, if you will. And for all the talk about Mark Scheifling, Connor Hellebuck, and the risks the Jets are taking, when you look at what they got for Andrew Kopp, where their backs were kind of against the wall, right? And sure, Andrew Kopp wasn't the same degree of player as Scheifling or Hellebuck, but Kevin Sheveldayoff made out like a bandit with what he got for Andrew Kopp. Could we see a similar situation mm-hmm prop up in early March next year. The Jets obviously would love to not have to answer that question because they want to be in a playoff spot. Their whole, you know, idea is winning this year. But if things don't go well, um, we've already seen what the Jets have done in, in a previous trade deadline to make out pretty well. 
Well, and uh, hot take, healthy debate. I think Elias Salmonson is going to be the best player of those three. And that's not taking anything away from Brad Lambert. He's a really, really exciting prospect. But, um, I mean, just everything that Elias does is, is so smooth, poised, and you mentioned he does have the size. I mean, if he if yeah, he's he as big as he is right now, just turning 19, project that to 22, 23, 24 years old. And it's certainly an exciting uh, prospect for uh, for Jets and their fans. Um, let's get back to the top 12. And we've talked about the 13th forward. Um, Rasmus Kapari got a chance to see him last night playing quite a bit with Morgan Barron. Um He's bigger than I thought, Mike. I think he skates quite well, has pretty good hands, had a great setup to Morgan Barron. Not sure he's as much of a finisher as the other guys that came over from L.A., but that's probably why he kind of settles into that fourth-line role. Uh, what were your first impressions of 15? I think he, I think he had six uh, shots that missed the net last night. He's got he's to adjust his radar. It's still on... <laughs> His radar is still on the uh, Pacific Coast settings, not the central time zone settings. Um, you know, but this is a guy, Huss, he seemed to always be around the puck. And I I really like his speed. I saw it the, the first day of camp last week. They were doing this one-on-one drill near the end of the first day. Kapari was winning every race. Didn't matter who he was out there with. Like, he's, he's really quick, especially for a guy with a, with a little bit of size because he's not tiny. And he also doesn't mind kind of throwing the, the body around, mixing it up. Like he's got a bit of a bite, a bit of an edge to him. And, you know, to me, with Baron and Nemestikov on his wings and just the versatility, you know, we know Nemestikov is a guy that can play up the lineup, can also play center. Uh, in fact, filled in quite capably as a second line center for a while last season with the Jets. I just think that fourth line, Huss, if that's what it is, Kapari, Baron, Nemestikov to start the year, um, that's a fourth. That's that's a fourth line that's going to earn a lot of ice time. Like we won't be seeing single digits for those guys. Uh, and as Rick Bonus mentioned, you know, Kapari, Baron, they're going to kill penalties as well. But I think there'll be a lot of trust in that group, and I think there's some offense. Um, you know, again, they they contributed on a couple goals last night. Again, we have to remind ourselves who they were. They were basically playing the AHL slash ECHL Oilers. Um, but that line certainly made a, a strong first impression. And, you know, I think the potential is there for the Jets to have one of the best fourth lines they've ever had um, with a unique blend of, of skill and grit and speed um, and, and some finish as well that they haven't had in the past. So... Um, going back to that Dubois trade, Huss, like here, Luke Dubois, he's starting the year with the Kings because Anze Kopitar is back here, Luke Dubois, just like he was with the Jets. He's a second line center on the Kings. You look at where the, the return for Dubois and what the Jets got. They've got a first line right winger in Gabe Velarde. They've got a third line left winger in Alex Iafalo, and they've got a fourth line center in Rasmus Kapari. Oh, and those three guys are combining to make less than Pierre-Luc Dubois this coming season. Um, you know, again, we'll we'll wait for the games to start for real and see how it all plays out. Uh, but uh, considering all the talk about how the Jets' back might have been against the wall, Montreal or Bas with Dubois, 
the early impressions on the Dubois trade and the return are certainly favorable for the Winnipeg Jets, and Kapari is is a part of that for sure. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I agree, and, and I think maybe Kapari, given the opportunity that he's going to get in Winnipeg to play regularly, and again, we're talking about a, a, a opportunity for Rick Bonus to play that fourth line, line and third line yeah. more than they have in the past. You certainly think that there might be the opportunity for him to boost those numbers that he's had, but most importantly, you know, establish himself as an everyday member of the Winnipeg Jets top 12. I, I'm really intrigued with Adam Lowry's line. I mean, we all saw the way he finished the season and played in the playoffs. Yeah. Now he's the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. I'm expecting a big season from Lowry, just minus that long drought that he had. And to be honest, Mike, I think he's in maybe as good of a position as he's ever been to do that with the likes of Alex Iafallo on the side. I do wonder about Mason Appleton. Appleton has always sort of been the guy that has been with Adam Lowry. But what do you make of the cha- the challenge for Appleton to make sure that he stays on that third line because of the likes of the guys that will be nipping his heels, like a Nemetsnikov, who we know very yeah. well can play pretty much in any line and be productive in both ends. Well, and to me, Huss, that's the obvious potential switch there. If if they feel like maybe they're not getting as much production, and that's where I think Mason Appleton, you know, him on the wing, along with Alex Iafalo, a proven producer at the NHL level, like they need Mason Appleton to put some pucks in the net, to be perfectly frank. And you're right, a guy like... Um, Nemestikov, you know, you could potentially switch those two right wingers, Nemestikov and Appleton. We know that Appleton and Barron are very familiar playing with each other. They were the wingers for Adam Lowry for long stretches of last year. It's possible you could put Mason Appleton down on that fourth line with Morgan Barron. uh, And now they're a fourth line set of wingers instead of a third line set of wingers. And Rasmus Kapari is their center instead of Adam Lowry. And would Nemestikov, Ayafalo, and Lowry, you know, have a little more potential offense there? I think that's a move that, you know, wouldn't surprise me if we see some experimentation there early in the year. Um, you know, just as maybe Alex Ayafalo and a guy like Nino Niederreiter could potentially swip swap positions as well at some point, just to see what that looked like. You know, what would Niederreiter look like with Lowry, and what would Ayafalo? look like with a, a Cole Perfetti and a Nikolai Ehlers. So a lot of options for Rick Bonus, um, but certainly the way camp has started and, and the way these first two games are being approached and the feeling I get is that they're going to give this a little bit of runway with the way they started uh, to see what it looks like all together. We probably won't see what it looks like all together until maybe one of the final preseason games. Uh, because I expect the games tomorrow and Friday, the Jets will probably continue to dress kind of a, a bit of a piecemeal roster. Um, but sure, I mean, Mason Appleton, this is a guy who uh, is, is healthy, is motivated. Um, and, you know, I think he needs to he needs to produce for sure because that's what the Jets are looking for. Mike, um, before we go, uh, we haven't even mentioned Nikolai Ehlers. And, uh, I mean, man, I mean, the guy, he's walking um, incarnation of Murphy's Law, it seems, sometimes. Um, I guess we expect him to be, I guess Rick Bonus said yesterday he was going to be skating today and would join the group tomorrow? He skated on his own yesterday. Uh, I don't know if he skated today because the team was was technically off today. Uh, but the, the expectation is that he will be uh, with one of the full groups. And I, I suspect, Huss, if that's the case, he'll be, 
he'll be with um, Perfetti and Niederreiter. Now, don't count on him playing tomorrow at Canada Life Centre because, uh, you know, he hasn't skated certainly with the group for several days. Could he get in as early as Friday um, in uh, in Ottawa? I, I suppose that would be the next target. If not then, then next Monday when they play their fifth preseason game. Obviously, you'd like to get that line a rep or two in the preseason before the regular season starts. But maybe more importantly, you want to make sure Nikolai Ehlers is 100% healthy to start the year. Everyone remembers kind of what happened last season. Um, Nikolai Ehlers is a very important player on this team, and you want to make sure you're getting him at his best and at his healthiest. So they'll probably err on the side of caution. You know, they've been doing that with Colby Barlow as well. One heck of a flu bug that he's been fighting. I suspect part of why he, he's he been kept away so long, Huss, is they probably don't want him to get anyone else sick, like just isolate him entirely but um it's too bad because colby barlow would have gotten a game in already and we'll see if he can get one in before he uh is likely reassigned to junior as i fully expect is going to happen yeah no doubt about it uh hey just quickly on goalies uh lb looked good last night uh sure did n- nice uh, nice pad like the uh the oh, silver that's a great look isn't look, it i would say and uh and backed it up and although he probably does uh Need to get a coffee or so for Neil Pionk, who made that uh, shutout saving play when the puck was behind him. But uh, overall, great to see LB back wearing number 39 now. And uh, man, he certainly acquitted himself well in the game number one. Us, uh, Kenny and I had a discussion in the press box last night. This is this might be a future question for you to throw to your, your viewers as well. I said to Kenny, uh, what's the over-under on games that LB starts this year? And I, I said... I'll set the over-under at 25, and I'll take the over. Uh, 25 would still mean 57 starts for Hellebuck. I'm actually thinking something in the range of like 27, which would give Hellebuck 55. That's basically Brassois playing one out of every three, one-third, Hellebuck playing two-thirds. But if we put the over-under at 25 on Lauren Brassois, I'm curious to know if, what the majority of people would take as the over or the under. I would take the over on 25. And what I saw last night from him kind of reinforced that that thinking because I think Lauren Brassois is ready to take a big step this season. Well, you know what? Perfect segue. Let's do why not question of the day. Right there you go. <laughs> Supplied by Mike McIntyre. We'll go 25 over under starts for Lauren Brassois this year. Uh, or say 24 and a half. So 25 would be the over. There you go, folks. Let us know. Why not question of the day for our friends at Not Auto Corp down at Waverly and McGilvery. Um, Great stuff, Mike. Well, listen, always great having you on the program. Fun to have some game action to talk about. And we'll be uh, back at it tomorrow at the rink with uh, one more preseason game at home this week and then uh, finishing it up the following week, I believe, against the Ottawa Senators in early October. Yeah, and by then, uh, that's next Thursday, that final home game. And the Jets could be icing kind of very close to, if not the opening night roster uh, by the by next Thursday, because they'll probably want to give that, you know, their full lineup uh, a, a good test drive. And so that may happen on that Thursday night. And uh, yeah, I also suspect, Huss, maybe we'll see a, a small trickle of cuts as early as later today. And I'm thinking next Tuesday, the Jets are off next Tuesday as well. That might be a really big wave of cuts, and we'll get a real sense of what the team looks like in a week or so from now. You think we'll see Helly tomorrow? 
yes, I do think we will see Connor Hellebuck tomorrow. Uh, in fact, I'd be shocked if we don't see Connor Hellebuck tomorrow. Mike, great stuff. Hey, fill us in on uh, what you and the gang have uh, going on as training camp continues over in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. Yeah, we've got a bunch. Kenny and I have been putting our uh, our heads together. We've got a bunch of of new and exciting features that we're gonna uh, we're gonna have coming up in the Free Press this year. Still putting the finishing touches on exactly what the whole package will look like. Some regular features that, you know, kind of destination reading. One of the things we are doing that Kenny's brought over from uh, Sportsnet is the monthly mailbag um, where, uh, and I'll be joining Kenny and answering questions. So Kenny's already put the call out on Twitter. Uh, I've echoed it as well for folks who want to get their questions in. Uh, our first edition of the monthly mailbag will be coming up soon. If you've got some questions that you'd like uh, us to, to take a run at, uh, shoot us a private message or an email and we'll get to it. Everything available for the Ken Weeb mailbag, except don't ask him who the second line center is going to be for the Winnipeg Jets. It might end up being a novel. Um, <laughs> good stuff, Mike. Thanks as always. Say hi to the fellas. We'll see you at the rink. For sure. Have a great week. Good stuff. There's Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. Um Got to give a big thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. We are going to talk bombers right away, folks. John Hodge coming up in a few minutes. Uh, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's best selection of local products, too, you need to get on down to one of six Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at their fully shoppable website at myvita.ca with local delivery options. Gearing up for back to school? Keep your energy up with Health First B12 Supreme. B12 is involved in so many functions of our bodies, like metabolizing carbs, fats, and proteins, which are converted into energy. Health First B12 Supreme is on sale all month at Vita Health, proudly family-owned and operated in Winnipeg since 1936, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Vita Health, six Winnipeg locations, and online at myvita.ca. Well... Wallace and Wallace has been helping Manitobans with all of their fencing needs, uh, well, for seven decades and certainly all summer long. But you might not know that they're the overhead door leaders in Winnipeg as well. And your overhead garage door had lots of ups and downs this summer, working hard to get you and your family to all those summer fun and activities. But it's about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that's Wallace and Wallace. Um, how's the closet looking, guys? If you need to up your menswear game, there's only one place you need to go, and that is F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Also, fellas, if you are in a wedding party or having your own wedding, talk to the gang at F about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. 190 Smith Street, find out more or make an appointment online at F, that's E-P-H, Apparel. Dot com And, hey, a big shout-out to Nick and Nikki DQ. Man, 23 and sunny right now. Not a bad day to squeeze in another 
one of those delicious summer blizzard flavors. And uh, while you're at it, if you're hungry, jump on one of those delicious stack burgers as well at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, Northgate, Polo Park, St. Anne's, and the DQ in Niverville. And speaking of Niverville, if you're out in the area, pop by and see them at their brand new Pita Pit, now open in Niverville. Healthy, delicious, fast, and fresh. Great catering options as well. You can hit them up on X at Pita Pit Niverville. All right, good stuff with Mike McIntyre. We're going to get to John Hodge and talk about a bunch of football stories, including a real buzzkill for this game on Friday night with what we're hearing out of the uh, Argos camp. Uh, but we were just speaking with uh, Gabriel uh, Velarde. So uh, let's quickly get to a couple of these clips from Velarde coming out of last night's game. Remo, we'll start off with number six. Um, Gabe Velarde just talked about early chemistry with his line mates in Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor. I mean, it's one game, so it's tough to tell, but uh, yeah, I think just reading off each other. Um, I said it before, but they've played together for a long time. I'm kind of the new guy coming in. I got to figure out how I can uh, help them out. Obviously, they're both very skilled players and draw guys to them and gives me extra space when I get the puck. Um, I got to do the same. Um, I don't have the speed they have maybe, but I think I'm good at ragging pucks down low and drawing guys in like that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a work in progress. I mean, it's one game. Nice dish from Gabriel Velarde last night to a Kyle Connor on his goal. A um, lot of communication between Velarde and his two new line mates. Uh, here's a Velarde on just what they're working on in between shifts. I think it's just timing, really, just timing, playing with each other. Um, things like this take time. Uh, but, yeah, talking on the bench, talking in practice, working in practice. Um, I love working with them. They're both very big hockey guys, smart hockey hockey guys. So it's uh, really cool for me to come in and get to hang out with them and, um, you know, work on things after practice. So uh, for me, it's really cool. I love it. All right, we got one more from Bilardi as well. And and this was something that he brought up when uh, we got a chance to do that one-on-one with him on Saturday out at the Hockey for All Center. Um, you know, about the challenges of learning a new system. He played his entire professional career with the Los Angeles Kings in that organization. And it is different. Bilardi uh, spoke after last night's game on uh, just adjusting to the Winnipeg Jets system. Uh, I think a few times out there I was just... Uh caught um, you know thinking instead of just playing um la is very uh, i was fortunate enough to have the same coach i always had the same system um and we play one three one and uh very defensive and we sit back whereas here it's a little more aggressive and uh it's gonna take some time to just uh like i said not think and just kind of go all right so there's velarde and just said that it does take some getting used to for the aggressive nature of it but I do think that that defensive base he has from coming up through the King system um, will acquit him well on that line with Shifley and Connor. Uh, we are going to get to some football. And, of course, there was big news earlier this year when Little Brown Jug became a partner of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and was available at Canada Life Center. Well, good news for local beer fans Little Brown Jug, both 1919 and generic, available at Canada Life Centre right now as one of the local beer partners. Pop by. There's two spots downstairs by the north spot, basically where Moxie's used to be, as well as at the south end uh, and the craft beer corner upstairs outside 310. That's where you get Little Brown Jug. 
a great addition to Winnipeg Jets hockey games down at Canada Life Center. Of course, uh, this might be a great day to head down to the Little Brown Jug patio, to be perfectly honest with you. And, of course, when you're down on William Avenue, you can pick up the great taste of Little Brown Jug, try them all, and uh, take home available as well. And check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca as well. They do have local delivery options. All right, we've got a lot to talk about with John Hodge. Do you want to get to a little NFL? Certainly a little CFL. And then a great story from the weekend involving U Sports. Uh, let's bring in John Hodge right now from Three Down Nation to the show. What's going on, John? How are you? I'm living the dream, Huss. Doing great. Yeah, How about yourself? you know what? Lots of uh, lots to get excited about. Although, let's get right to it. I mean, what a buzzkill uh, coming out of Toronto today. No Chad Kelly resting, guys. Like. I mean, I get it. They've earned the opportunity to make their own decisions because they've run away with the Eastern Division with a month left in the season. But if I'm Randy Ambrosi, I am losing it right now. This should have been the game of the regular season. And, uh, I mean, now, at least from what we're hearing, and certainly as I'm watching this betting line go up, up, and up towards the Bombers, people aren't really expecting the Argos to, uh, you know, put their best foot forward, which is a real shame. It sucks. Right. Like there's there's really no other way to say it. It just sucks. And that's not to say that this isn't a smart decision for the Toronto Argonauts. They've obviously earned the right to rest whoever they want. They're 12 and one. They're 12 and 0 this season when Chad Kelly starts and finishes games. He played all of last week's win over the Hamilton Tiger Cats, despite first place in the East Division already being wrapped up. There's no need. For the Toronto Argonauts to put him at risk any further. Now, I don't think they're going to sit him for five games. When I was in Montreal, when they clinched the East Division a couple weeks ago, Ryan Dinwiddie said that Chad Kelly would probably sit one game. It appears now maybe the plan is to sit him twice. But it does just suck. Like the football fan in me was so excited to see this matchup of heavyweights. It's their first time playing against one another since last year's shocking Grey Cup in Regina. Then the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I think, were the consensus by far and away number one team. It was an upset. Now the, the, the roles have kind of reversed, right? The Toronto Argonauts have been the number one team and the, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, though still being very good at 10 and 4, we're, we're looking to get the upset potentially uh, this time around. Now, I know the Bombers were short favorites with the game being at home in front of a sellout crowd. I think it's still going to be a great night. But uh, for your sake, I hope you locked in Bombers minus three because I saw what Cameron Dukes did. In Calgary, during Calgary's only or Toronto's only loss of the season thus far, and I am not high on on what he'll be able to do against Winnipeg on Friday. Yeah, well, it was funny. I mean, it was three this morning. By the time I started doing the lock shop, it was four. Ten minutes in, it was four and a half, and by the time we finished, it was five and a half. And I'm not sure that that's going to slow down. To be honest with you, if uh, we get more, so what do we know other than I mean, Kelly not starting? They say that he might play, which I mean. If you're going to play him, you play him. I mean, I have a feeling it would have to get pretty ugly for Kelly. In fact, I can't even think of a scenario why they would play him. I mean, if you're not starting him, you probably don't want to risk injury and have him out there. Um, what about Ouellette? We know Andrew Harris is on the sixth game, which is another buzzkill from what this game potentially could have been. Well, one thing to keep in mind is the CFL's rule starting this year, teams have to have three quarterbacks on the roster I believe, I don't have the roster in front of me, but Brian Scott is BC's number, or pardon me, is Toronto's number three. Toronto's number two is Cameron Dukes. I don't believe there's a four. 
So when people talk about AJ Olette, pardon me, when they talk about Chad Kelly, we'll get to AJ Olette in a moment. When people talk about Chad Kelly dressing, I think the Argos have no choice but to dress them because they've got to have three guys on the roster and you may as well dress them. And we've seen teams dress third string quarterbacks this season, despite having no intention of the pl- to play them, if only for salary cap reasons. Because if a guy is on your one game injured list, you got to pay him on the salary cap and then you got to pay somebody on the cap to replace them. A good way to get around that and save a little bit of money, which a lot of teams really want to do at this time of the year is just to kill two birds with one stone and put a guy who's not healthy or put a guy who you have no intention of playing at that third string spot. And if, you know, two injuries happen, then you send him out there and you hand the ball off until the game is done. As we've seen sometimes on both sides of the borders, when quarterback injuries have spiked in one particular game, as for AJ Olette, he did fully practice today. He missed last week. He was listed with a foot injury. I don't know how hurt he really was. He's a guy who, frankly, has deserved a break. Maybe the logic for the Toronto Argonauts was to sit him last week, play Kelly, get the win, sweep your rivals in Steeltown, and then get A.J. Olette back this week and, and sit Chad Kelly. So Olette is healthy and fresh and able to be a bit of a workhorse for you. Doesn't look like Andrew Harris is going to play, which is also, I'm sure, a big disappointment for Bomber fans. We're looking to see the former most outstanding Canadian in the CFL, come back to his hometown. He's currently on the six-game injured list with a knee injury. So Olette, I think, is a possibility. Unfortunately, Harris, at least right now, it appears, will not play. John Hodge, Three Down Nation with us. Focusing on the Bombers. Um, just seeing DT uh, reporting from day two of uh, Bomber practice that Janarian Grant was doing some serious running on the sidelines of what is encouraging as it can be. Um, we were kicking this around yesterday. Um you know, the urgency for the Bombers by the time the playoffs come to either have a healthy Janarian grant or to have some help and support at that position. Um, do you think the Bombers might be aggressive at the trade deadline if Janarian doesn't come back the way they wanted to, or maybe even just almost for a depth player in case he does get hurt? Because, I mean, he runs that operation at such a high level, but the drop-off has been massive since he's been injured, John. It'd be smart, right? I mean, and, and the, the trade deadline, by the way, is set for October 4th. So it's just over a week away. I think that if there was a player available, you make the deal all day. The only issue is you've got to find a, a dance partner. And at least right now, there are nine teams in the CFL who are still technically able to make the playoffs. I think you're, you're in, in tough if you're going to try to convince one of them to send you an asset if you're not necessarily willing to send a a tremendous uh, asset back. That being said, I do think it's a smart idea. I mean, the Calgary Stampeders have had a number of guys who've been effective in that role. Peyton Logan's been hurt for the last while, but when you look at uh, even a guy like Tommy Lee Lewis, former NFL player, they waited on him for a long time. He's starting a receiver for them right now. You know, if the Stampeders get mathematically eliminated by October 4th, maybe he's an option. Um, you know, the Ottawa Red Blacks, Devontae Dedman's still on the six-game injured list. But, you know, Brandon Dandridge, I think, has been a very good defensive back returner for them. So there, there are some names out there for some teams that are struggling. You know, the Edmonton Elks, I don't know if they want to part with a guy like Kyron Moore or C.J. Sims. But you never know, right? You never know unless you try. And we've seen returners flipped in this league recently. Mario Alford, for example, last season ended up winning most upsetting special teams player but was shipped – 
mid-year from Montreal to Saskatchewan in a trade. The BC Lions also got Terry Williams, their very good return specialist, by a trade from Ottawa once they got Devontae Debbin back from the NFL. So you're absolutely right, Huss. I mean, this, this return unit in Winnipeg has done next to nothing since Janarian Grant went out. All due respect to Jamal Parker and the others who have had turns back there, but Winnipeg needs help in the field position department. They need a genuine threat back there. Um, I was not at practice today, but reportedly, right, he's, he's moving along the sidelines. One would, one would imagine at least that he'd be back for playoffs, but if there's any chance he's not, I, I fully agree that this team needs outside help because the guys they've had in the building as replacements for Janarian Grant, I've just simply not got it done. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, getting some help on uh, special teams with guys returning, um, Theodric Hansen practicing again today, uh, DT reporting. He doesn't think it's a sure thing that he plays, but he looks good. Just in your opinion, uh, John, for a versatile guy like that that has been so impactful on special teams, how important will his return be for the Bombers to uh, kind of shore up the other side of the return game and that, of course, kick and punt coverage? Yeah, I mean, the punt cover teams, I think, have have generally been good this season. Uh, got off to a bit of a rocky start, but, you know, I think the team has made up for the loss of Mike Miller, of course, the CFL's all-time leading special teams tackler who has yet to play in a game so far this season. Jesse Briggs has kind of taken over that unit, made it his own. Um, but Hanson absolutely, I think, would upgrade that unit. I mean, you can never have enough... Uh, quality special teamers in the CFL. They're the guys who nobody likes to talk about or think about. But when you don't have enough guys, have enough quality guys to run down and cover punts, to cover kickoffs, boy, you you sure miss those guys really quickly. I mean, Nick Hallett, I think, has been the best special teamer downfield this season. Uh, I know as of the Labor Day Classic, he had at least one special teams tackle for every game in which he'd played. Um, he's right up there with the league leaders for special teams tackles, but certainly this club could use some depth there. And also throw this out for for Theodric Hansen. This team, in my opinion, needs depth along that defensive line. We know that Jackson Jeffco didn't play this past week. Celeste and Haba made a really nice sack. I believe it was on Hamilton's second drive and then kind of fell off. I mean, Anthony Bennett, the team's first round pick, has not done a lot this year. Um, to to kind of aid that pass rush. So I also think Theodric Hansen, once he gets up to speed and is fully healthy from that Achilles, we know it's a, it's a long recovery, of course, and it's not like he's going to go from zero to 100 in one day. But if he could be added to that pass rush rotation in the playoffs, I think that could help not only provide some depth, of course, behind the team stars, but uh, but also provide just a little bit of an extra tool in that arsenal for Richie Hall. Uh, by the way, I'm glad you brought up Mike Miller because, I mean, he has been the mainstay of that special teams unit for so long. And I mean, we all remember the goat shirts last year. Um, what do we know about where he's at right now? And is there any chance the Bombers will get him back before playoff time? Uh, I know one thing about Mike Miller uh, right now, and that's that after games, his two kids are often in the locker room. And a couple weeks ago, they were throwing around a football and a mini football and it hit me in the head. Um, that's the only thing. That's the only thing I know. I mean, the Bombers famously don't talk about injuries, so I'm sure you could ask Mike O'Shea about it every practice and every game, and he'd just kind of give you a smile and say something, you know. We're looking to go 1-0 and this week. Yeah, you know, like he'd say something kind of cryptic, like, oh, he's working. And you kind of, okay, well, what's he working on? Well, he's, you know, he's, he's working. And you're like, okay, I don't know what that means. Thanks, Coach. Well, I wish I had a better update. But if any of your viewers want to picture me getting hit in the head with a mini football, please feel free. That's all I know. <laughs>
Uh, I guess on a positive note, he has not been ruled out for the year. There just hasn't really been any updates. We haven't seen him out there, and it's sort of uh, just in a holding pattern. Well, and and that's not uncommon in Winnipeg, right? Like, <laughs> when you talk to teams, to, to other teams, you know, they'll say things like, oh, well, this guy has a knee. He'll probably miss three games. And Mike O'Shea will just look at you and and say, <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. I mean, a, a perfect example is Janarian Grant. I, I admittedly haven't gone back and read the reporting from when the injury happened, but there was no inclination that this was going to be an injury that would cause him to miss a couple months. And it's been forever since we saw Janarian Grant out there returning kicks for the Bombers, and he doesn't appear to be back, obviously, this week. So the injuries are always clear as mud in Winnipeg, and, and that's unfortunate because fans, in my opinion, deserve to get those updates. And it's frustrating as a member of the media when fans want those updates and they ask you, and then you go, well, uh, we ask every week, and nothing, <laughs> nothing comes of it. But Mike O'Shea is also entitled to – uh, offer the information that he sees fit. And so I, I suppose I respect his his right to do so or not do so as as he chooses. John, um, another great story from football, from three-down football, from here in Winnipeg. It was not from the Canadian Football League, but from U Sports. And listen, it was a tough start for the Bisons to the season. Lost their first couple of games, but got off the mat, won in overtime, on the weekend and a young woman made some history at the same time. Tell us about Maya Turner being the hero for the Bisons in that big win on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. That was a stellar game. And this was, I mean, this was the Bison season essentially. You know, this club started off 0-3. Part of that was due to the injury to starting quarterback Jackson Tachinsky, which essentially held him out of, of two of those losses. Um, and this is a club that almost knocked off the Saskatchewan Huskies in the first week of the season. So 0-3 looks terrible, obviously, on paper. But this club, you know, with some different circumstances, could have been 2-1 and one or, 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 you know, potentially even 3-0 and oh to start the season. But they come into their, their homecoming game, almost 5,000 fans in the stadium at IG Field is the best crowd I've seen the Bisons have since I started going to their games regularly in 2021. And one of the ways in which they needed to upgrade that roster, like Vinny DeRosa, the team's veteran kicker, has a great leg when it comes to power. He's not always the most accurate. For instance, in that home opener against the Huskies, he missed a 22-yard field goal. So he is still handling the longer attempts for the Bisons, but what they really needed was a short um, you know, specialist, essentially, who maybe doesn't have the 55-yard bomb in them, but has uh, supreme accuracy. And that's exactly what Maya Turner Rings. This was her first game. She was going to be the first woman ever to dress for a regular season U Sports football game. Well, she gets into the game early, nails a 21-yard field goal, kicks a couple of converts, and then the game, lo and behold, goes to double OT. She kicks a 21-yard field goal on the Bison's second possession, and then when the Regina Rams got possession of the ball in the second round of that second overtime, they were held scoreless. I believe they missed a 45-yarder to, to try to extend the game or, or tie the game late so obviously a sensational story i mean this garnered attention uh nationally even internationally i also saw headlines from uh division three school in the states the first woman ever to dress as a non-kicker there's a safety playing down there and i think this is a great way to grow the game i mean i i think maya turner is on the field because the bisons need her i don't think that this is a pr move um, I did see criticism from people on social media saying, well, this is just for clicks. This is, I don't think it's for that. 
She um, hit the game winner. She hit the game winner. Exactly. Like, and again, that's the stupidest thing. Like I can get people maybe being skeptical or whatever. They just won the game and she kicked the game winner. I mean, I don't know what more exactly. evidence you need any other way. Well, and I, I also got messages from people saying like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen when she misses a kick and gets lit up on the return. And I'm like, have you ever seen a kicker in, in professional football? Like, what are you talking about? Like, 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 you remember Martin Gramatica, right? Like, 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 like kickers are, are not tacklers by any stretch. And also Maya could probably hold herself a lot better than the Twitter trolls in that same situation. Anyway, so kudos to her. It was a great performance. Hey, just just Thank on you. her for a second, John. I mean, a really interesting background that you touched on in your piece in uh, in Three Down. Um, like she's an American. She's from yes. Maple Grove, Minnesota, and was a D one soccer player at Loyola in Chicago, and then decided she wanted to follow a new path of becoming a kicker. And I mean, Dobie does his recruiting. They, they, they exhaust everything, but getting a female D1 soccer player from Chicago wasn't on my list of likely bisons for this year. Like, how did all this come about? Well, I mean, it's, it's certainly a unique story. And this is somebody who uh, applied, my understanding is center film to a ton of schools, kind of figuring that, you know, probably nothing would come of it. And lo and behold, she found a school that was willing to take her on and, and again, needed someone with her skill set who, you know, is still relatively new to the sport, relatively new to the game, but can fill that niche need that the Bisons had, which is we need somebody who's ultra accurate. We've got somebody with the big leg, but we need someone who can come in, right? Like we've got, you know, to use a golf analogy, I'm a terrible golfer for the record, but we got somebody with, with the with, you know, like the tee shot. Now we need someone who can who can come in with the short game of the nine iron and the putter and, and, and be perfect. Because again, as I mentioned, Vinny Tarosa missed a 22-yard field goal in the team's opening game this regular season. So obviously the bias is willing to take Karate. There was a great video that the team posted on social media of the reaction from head coach Brian Doby when Maya got back to the sideline having kicked that first field goal. Cause I don't think a lot of people expected her to play necessarily her just being on the roster. I think a lot of people kind of anticipated it was going to be the story. And then lo and behold, she, she scores eight points and the game winner. So um, kudos to her for being willing to put herself out there, come to a foreign country, right? Cross the border to try to realize her dream. And I mean, this is what college athletics is about. University athletics is about, is it not? It's, it's people getting the opportunity to try new things and pursue their dreams and um, I think it's fabulous that not only did the story get a lot of attention, but we're now going to see, uh, I think, a bunch of people um, who are like Maya, right, who, who want to try out football or maybe a sport that women or girls don't typically play as much as, as men and boys. And, and I think that's a fabulous way to grow the game. Oh, my God. We just had a Gero Yepremian uh, reference in the chat right now, speaking of all these kicker stories. Um, you know what? I think, Remo, do, do we have that clip? Let's just show everyone that John, John just mentioned oh. about it. We may as well play it. Give me one this... second. I'm just loading it up of uh, him oh, in the oh. locker room after. Oh, okay. Excellent. Um, and, uh, you know, and uh, Dolby. And just, I mean, we'll get to this in a minute, but... um. You called it, John. I mean, that was a season-saving win for the Bisons, who uh, you know had some tough luck and a couple tough losses early on. I mean, zero and four, pretty tough to come back from. But we've seen over and over again in youth sports. I mean, what is the case in September is not always the case at the end of October, November, and there's still enough runway for this team to turn this thing around. And maybe, just maybe, it started with that kick from uh, from Maya Turner. 
Well, it should be noted that Ken West is loaded this year. Like the last couple of years, the Saskatchewan Huskies have been at the top of the table and everyone else is kind of competing for second place, knowing full well who's going to represent this conference at the national level in November. That is not the case this year. The UBC Thunderbirds cracked the top five this past week. They beat the Alberta Golden Bears, but the Golden Bears have been absolutely fantastic. Matthew Peterson has, I believe it's almost 500 yards from scrimmage over the last two games. He's their starting running back. Appears to be the second coming of Ed Ilnicki in Northern Alberta. Um, so there's really three teams. I mean, and, and the Huskies, it should be said, yeah, they're two and one, but but they're still a top team and still nationally ranked. Like, I think the top eight in the country right now, three of them are in Can West. Half, half of Can West is in the top eight right now nationally. Uh, the good news for the Bisons is there's four playoff spots. They've already beaten the Regina Rams. And if they can beat the Regina Rams, I think they will certainly beat the Calgary Dinos coming up. So I think there is some optimism for the Bisons about at the very least making the postseason. And then, as you said, once you get into the postseason, anything can happen. The Bisons did play the Huskies relatively close in the playoffs last year in what was one of the most wild snow games I've ever seen. I was very, I was very happy to be watching that on television in the comfort of my own home and not on the sidelines at Saskatoon. I was wild. Hey, uh, here's uh, how things looked in the Bison locker room after they won their first game of the year on uh, the Maya Turner field goal. First game ever played by a female. And, and she went out there and friggin' nailed it and kicked the game-winning yes, field goal. She, she didn't just have to go and do her job and be another player. She had to be under the stigma of, she better hit it because if she doesn't, oh, well. Yeah, yeah, they gave this girl a chance, and look what happened. You all experience the same pressures in your position, all of you, but you don't ever experience that. You never will experience that, and it's unique, and I want everybody in the room to understand that. I want you to remember that with your sisters and your moms and your girlfriends and your wives as you move forward, that no matter what you think, it's tougher for them than it is for us. I'm just telling you, and especially having to come into a, not 99.9%, a 100% male world that is extremely aggressive and macho and, and the list goes on. You can do the honors. Who so else one, Adobe gets everybody fired up, John. What? A, listen, a really cool moment. I'm glad we played that for you. And, I mean, anyone. I, you know, I've worked with Brian before. I've been uh, you know close with him, and the passion he has for the sport for all of his players uh, is a big reason why he's had the longevity that he has. But I mean, even for Doby, that was a that was a really really cool um, and really a, probably a once ever um, speech that he had afterwards for uh, for for a little bit of history. Absolutely. And I mean, good for Brian Doby. I mean, Brian Doby is an institution at the U of M. He's been there forever. And, uh, you know, so he's, he's in a position where, where he's maybe able to take more of a risk than, than some other coaches would. But that being said, he absolutely nailed it. Right. If, if Maya goes out there and heaven forbid misses a kick, which again, lots of, lots of college kickers on both sides of the border regularly miss short field goals. It happens. This is college. It's not the pros though. 
pro kickers do also occasionally miss short kicks. Um, she's going to have that whole stigma, right, of of the haters coming out of the woodwork just to try to tear her down. And and I can say, as someone who was there, both of her kicks were straight down the pipes and and fantastic. So kudos to her, kudos to the Bisons. It's a great story. And again, I think it's going to inspire more people like Maya who who don't fit the the traditional mold. That this is traditionally what a football player looks like or sounds like. And and they're going to try to pursue their dreams, and that's that's fantastic. John, I know you pay close attention to the four down game as well. Three undefeated teams left: the Niners, the Dolphins, and the Eagles. Uh, who, in your opinion, is number one right now? Is the team to beat in the National Football League? I, I think you can make an argument for all three. Uh, the one that I'm going to throw out is the team that has made offensive football in the nfl look as easy as i think i've ever seen it look, and that's the miami dolphins i mean what mike mcdaniel's been able to do essentially building a cfl offense right like utilizing motion to almost create like a fake waggle uh, a, a, a faux waggle whatever you want to call it um ha- has been sensational it is an undersized unit right everybody wants receivers who are six two six three or running backs who can pound like 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 Derrick Henry. This unit is made up of guys, in, at least in skill positions, uh, who are 5'9", right, 5'10", and they're just burners. And he routinely finds ways to scheme them open and make life unbelievably easy for Tua Tagovailoa. So I'm not saying that the Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl, but right now they would be my pick. Um, and the team they're, they're, they're playing in that game, I would pick the 49ers uh, over, just over the Eagles. But again, you can make a case for all three, but I have been unbelievably impressed so far with what Miami's done. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think San Fran and Miami have been the two top teams. Listen, Philly's 3-0, and good for them. I haven't been – listen, and maybe it's just because of the standard that they set last year. I think they're still a little bit off of that. But, dude, the <laughs> 70 points on <laughs> Sean Payton and the Broncos. It's crazy. Like it's crazy. And he was talking all that shit at the start of the year, Nathaniel Hackett, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is as embarrassing as a loss as he's ever had in his career. And listen, Sean Payton has a pretty big ego. He did not like being asked about the historic nature of giving up the 70 spot on Sunday. Did he? Well, there's a pretty easy way to not get that question. And that's um, not give up 70 points. (laughs) Like if you don't want to be asked about having what is arguably the worst defensive performance in the history of the NFL, uh, don't have what is arguably the worst defensive performance in the history of the NFL. I mean, it was, it was shockingly bad. Um, I watched a, a film breakdown of that game, um, after it happened and it was remarkable the way and like, like it, it looked like uh chess versus checkers or it, it looked like varsity uh against not even junior varsity it looked like varsity against middle school like it was unbelievable the disparity in team speed it was unbelievable the disparity in intensity it was unbelievable the difference in in just preparedness like the broncos looked completely lost and that breaks my heart to say because alex singleton former cfl most outstanding defensive player is one of their starting middle linebackers he deserves better he deserves better he really does breaks my heart to say but yes this team is uh is in a world of hurt right now and i think what what sean payton might be finding out is that the game's changed a little bit while he was at home counting his money and he has some work to do 
Vikes and Bears, or no, sorry, Broncos, Bears. And just to put into perspective how terrible the Bears are, they have opened up as three and a half point home underdogs to a team that just gave up 70 points. And as embarrassing as that is, I think they did the impossible on Sunday. Taylor Swift shows up in the Arrowhead box with Kelsey's mom, breaks the internet, every single, like the amount of traffic going in and talking about that on that game, game of the week, was unprecedented. And the Bears are so friggin' awful that they switched off that game and that attraction at halftime because the game was downright over and unwatchable. This Bears team, John, is... um, it's uh, it is as ugly as I can remember on the field, off the field, and uh, it wasn't supposed to be this way coming into this year. But there was a lot of Bears fans coming into this season who were calling it. They're like, "This is our year, like 2023." Brett, like, like we finally have Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers out of this division for the first time in like 30 years. Jordan Love is not it, and the Detroit Lions have already peaked. They're going to Detroit Lion this year. The Vikings are going to regress like crazy, which that one has actually happened. The Vikings, I don't think, are any good. But the table was set, right, for the Bears to eat, and the Bears have thrown up all over themselves. In <laughs> it is embarrassing. And and Justin Fields looks as slow in his decision-making and as confused about what he's seeing down the field as I've ever seen, at least from him. Um, typically, you know, you want to see a guy take a big step from year one to year two and, and then kind of peak in year three. Well, this is year three for Justin Fields and, and he didn't look very good in in years one and two. He's, he's now looking arguably the worst he's ever had. So to me, if you're a bears fan, the answer is from here on out root for this team to lose and get Caleb Williams in the draft and hopefully find a way to not ruin him. Like the bears have unfortunately ruined a number of highly touted draft picks under center just in the last decade, if you want to count Mitch Trubisky, granted, they should have not taken Mitch Trubisky. They took him ahead of Patrick Mahomes, famously. But, you know, Justin Fields, like like this team has, has you know, they, they, they've they messed this up to epic proportion, and it's time to to clean house. Uh, John, uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the minute you mentioned Taylor Swift, people go crazy, good, bad, <laughs> one way or the other. As I said yesterday, I'm just worried that this is some sort of long play infiltration of the chiefs to try to get to Mahomes, but as long as that isn't the case i'm i'm fine with it and i will be starting my new you want clicks you want internet magic i'm doing a chiefs podcast for swifties so i'm i'm figuring out all the taylor catalog that i'm behind on we'll let them know about the chiefs it's going to be a match made in heaven all jokes aside though really interesting Thursday nighter in the NFC North Lions and Packers. I think the Lions are a one point favorite right now. Basically, this is a pick em. Who do you like on Thursday? And just maybe a quick thought on uh, the love led Packers and the Lions who came in for the first time probably ever as the NFC North faves. I'll take the Lions. You know, I, I'm a big Dan Campbell guy, uh, probably to a fault. Um, You've been known I've to bite been- a kneecap or two. I exactly right. I mean, you, you got to get in there. You got to bite a couple of the caps. I love how much his players love playing for him. I think that the, the talent that is on that offensive unit, as much as, as much as they've built their reputation on physicality and defense and all those things that Dan Campbell likes to talk about, they've quietly built a very, very good group of skill position players around their quarterback 
And Jared Goff, I, I think, is a little bit overhated. I'm not saying that he's he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. I'm not even sure he's a top ten. Uh, but to me, he's in that same Kirk Cousins category as a guy who, with the right supporting cast, can 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 win you 12 or 13 games. He probably won't win you a Super Bowl, but he can win you a lot of games in the regular season. So I like the Lions. I think that the Packers, you know, respect what they did coming back in that that wild 18-17 win against the New Orleans Saints this past weekend. But I, I think that their record really flatters them, frankly, at this point. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the Lions. If, if, if it's a pick em, yeah, I'll take the Lions. Why not? You know, you just dropped a word that I don't think I've ever heard before, and I can't believe it. Not You didn't say overrated. You said overhated, didn't you? Absolutely, yeah, overhated. That, that is an incredible term. I, I'm putting that one in my bag, John. I absolutely, yeah. I'll give you credit for it. <laughs> what a beauty. Well, there's lots. I mean, I didn't come up with it. I've heard it somewhere. I can't remember where. But, yeah, there's... I, I don't like the word underrated because I think sometimes, uh, you know, it's it like sometimes things aren't underrated because not enough people recognize them. It's because people go out of their way to try to crap on them. You know what I mean? Like like Nickelback is a perfect example. Nickelback is not underrated. They're overhated. Overhated. I love yes. it. Who, and I'm not saying Nickelback's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of whatever on Nickelback. But there's like a segment of our population that just decides – I want to be cool, so I'm going to pretend that Nickelback is the worst band to ever exist, which is like not even remotely close to being true. So overhated, yeah, is a thing, and I think it applies to to certain things in life. One of which is, uh, I mean, I, I I guess the Detroit Lions, at least a little bit. <laughs> Dude, uh, this is awesome! What a great way to end it up. Overhated. We will be using that going forward on the show. Bummer about what's happened with this matchup on Friday night. That being said, the place is going to be rocking another sold-out game, and Bombers need to win. So first and foremost, get the W for the W, and then we get ready for that big one next week. And it won't be sitting anyone for that one in BC on the 6th of October between Winnipeg and the Lions. Thanks so much for doing this. Keep up the great work over at 3Down, John. Thanks for having me, Huss, anytime. Give him a follow on X, folks, uh, at John D. Hodge, and check out all of John's work at 3 Down Nation. Um, great bomber stuff with John. Of course, whenever we're talking bombers on the show, we do it for our friends at Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Football Club and Winnipeg Sports Talk. And Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them. Panet Road, Portage Avenue, West locations in Winnipeg. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Man, another great day to be outside. And I know the gang at Consolidated Supply continue to uh, finishing up a busy summer and fall season as the leaders in irrigation systems and artificial turf, both indoor and outdoor. Not to mention the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba with the best selection of new and used golf carts as well as other club car vehicles perfect for commercial use. They've got other great options for your property as well, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens. And of course, Consolidated Supply, also the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at the showroom, open to the public 1395 Niaqua Road East or find out more on Consolidated Supply online at cte.ca. Um, we got a big one coming up on Thursday Night Football, as we mentioned. A big one here in Winnipeg. 
on Friday night as the Bombers take on the Argos. And jet season is back. Whether you need your Jets gear, your favorite NFL team, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, or more, it's all there at Royal Sports, the original sports superstore in Winnipeg, family-owned for 40 years, and the best hockey selection in town as well with hockey season here. Pop down and see them for all the great deals and the best selection on the ice in the city of Winnipeg. Royal Sports is at 750 Pemina Highway and follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Uh, another great night at Boston Pizza. I'm now I'm now three for three at BP on Monday Night Football. I was at BP Taylor for week one. I met my brother and a friend at BP St. Anne's for week two. And last night ripped into BP City Place right after the hockey game to catch the end of the Rams and Bengals. Boston Pizza is the spot to go for Monday night football for your favorite Winnipeg Jets action, Blue Bombers and more, and of course, NFL Sunday. And it's always better with those ice-cold schooners, world-famous Boston's wings, and gourmet pizzas as well. And hey, stay at home. You can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Remo, had you heard the term overhated? No, but uh, he said Nickelback overhated. That is extremely accurate. So it was, it was a per- perfect usage of the term. It was. It was. He nailed it. And uh, they have some big, some big hits, Huss. So I think unfairly overhated. I do want to give a shout. I don't know if you missed this in chat, Huss. Uh, we play that incredible speech from Brian Doby, mm-hmm. uh, coach of the Bisons. And after that, Alana Sutton chimed in in chat and said, I was one of the first females to play in the Winnipeg High School Football League as a kicker like 25 years ago. Yeah, with Alana. Do- with Doby as coach. Where, at Churchill? And, uh, I don't know. She'll have to confirm yeah, that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that would that would be Churchill. And then there's a lot of people in chat who've been saying, well, what if, what if they have to tackle someone? And Alana adds, tackled the only guy that ever got past the line and saved a touchdown. So shout out to Alana <laughs> yeah. Sutton in chat. Got I, can, a lot of props. I can guarantee you. I mean, that's a little bit of uh that's a red herring folks, because there is not a single kicker in professional football <laughs> or college football that is on the team because of their tackling ability. Do you, it's Kate, whether they can make kicks or not. A hundred percent. Do you remember it was week one on Monday night football when the jets ran the punt back in overtime to win the game, and the Bills kicker tried to make the tackle. <laughs> he got you... dragged. He got dragged so bad. He, I don't know like what this guy was doing. So hold on, where's? I did have it here. Uh, it's the be- best league in the world here. If we're talking about, uh, if we're talking about um, <laughs> kickers, kickers, tackles. Yeah, watch this, folks. Here's he goes. What's he doing? He's like jumping, like a two hand <laughs> touch. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what that is. So uh, oh, I just wanted to yeah, play Atlanta. that. Churchill Bulldogs, of course. No, Doby was a legend at uh, Doby was a legend at Churchill, and now has continued on as the head coach of the University of Manitoba Bisons. Uh, great, great stuff out there today. Um, by the way, just and I know, I, listen, I, we had our fun with the Taylor Swift thing yesterday. And I will always kind of have a crack here or there about it for a little while. But, Remo, you did mention, and we'll get to the cool bet lines in a second and talk about this Jays game tonight. 
Ted Wyman did do yes. the hard-hitting journalism that everybody was wondering. Well, you know how I know. Look at WinnipegSun.com, the number one story at Winnipeg Sun. Um, Bombers QB Zach Calera said, says Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift connection is a hot topic in the family. Number one story. Number one. Tr- it's got trending and the fire emoji. So there's some people in chat that are like, why are you guys talking about this? Well, this is, I mean, it's biggest story in sports. And uh, so we wanted to know, we wanted someone to ask Zach about it. And I listened to the Handled Internally podcast. We talked about it for like five seconds. Zach is pretty amused uh, by all this and even more amused that his wife seems to be way more interested. Oh, yeah, here's the line. I've had more conversations from my wife about the Chiefs uh, even after two Super Bowls than I've ever had. So it's been interesting. So <laughs> a lot of more people asking Zach Hilarious about his friendship with the Kelsey brothers than ever before. Uh, so he says, my wife has two sisters as well and a mom who's into it. It's been a heck of a two weeks and it's been fun to follow along. Listen, so I'm- her, her showing up at Arrowhead sitting beside Kelsey was like a pop culture nuclear bomb. Yes. You know, in an NFL stadium, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Although, again, perfect time of the year to do it. The embarrassing Bears come in, and it was essentially a scrimmage where he could look great. And then they've got the Jets on Sunday night in prime time. A little bit different without Aaron Rodgers. Um, but anyways, there's your there's your update. Uh, Ted yeah. asking Zach, uh, Zach about the uh, his relationship with Great Kelsey. job. Great job, Ted. And Zach adding to speaking to Ted. Even my mom, who probably has no idea who Taylor Swift is, is getting questions asked to her at the local grocery store in Steubenville, Ohio, because the Kelseys used to come home and visit her from time to time. He says, adds, it's been hilarious. So he's got a big, uh, big smile. Uh, would not describe himself as a Swifty. Hilarious that he was a fan of her in 2009. Uh, I can remember Rick Ralph. Rick Ralph. As a story where uh, I think he got a picture with her when she played at the stadium or he met Ed Sheeran. I remember he was telling me. Yes. I mean, yeah. Was... No, I think he met uh, her, met her dad in a private dad, suite. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and it's in the suite and Ed Sheeran. No idea who like Ed Sheeran was. Rick's been a Swifty ever since. Ever since yeah, that, ever, that moment. Ever since. So uh, we want to know what does Zach Kolaris think about Travis Kelsey, his former college roommate? Uh, is rumored a relationship with Taylor Swift. Now we know. So thank you, uh, Ted. That was awesome. Uh, you know what? Hey, awesome. That, Number that's, one that's, trending story. That's all anyone wants to know. And and this but, just goes back to what I said yesterday, Remus. Like, I don't know whether we should trick people or what, but, I mean, we need to put the thumbnail of WST. It's just Taylor Swift and Kelsey. We put it into the description. Whatever. Just Swifties, Taylor Swift, Chiefs, Kelsey, I think we get 50,000 views on this episode if we do that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, if it, we need a local tie-in, so you put in Zach Claris. It's perfect. That's why we can still yeah, get so much He's not making run. the thumbnail, though. Thumbnail is just going to be oh. you know, in red from Arrowhead on the weekend. Hey, the um, gift that keeps on giving. Let's. Um, before do, we move on, we did get some Jets cuts uh, just now. Oh, okay. Breaking they news. Put, Breaking news. Some cuts. Um, nothing. Nothing. Surprising here, just uh, Moose guys, uh, Jimmy Olney, Simon Kubitschek, CJ Cease, who was on a PTO, uh, and then who's the other one? 
Dominic Divincentis back to OHL, Jacob Julian to OHL, Connor Levis to Kamloops. So nothing surprising. Barlow's still but, here. Uh, sorry? Barlow still with the team? Yeah, well, yeah, he's still, that's true. Barlow wasn't sick. listed. He's He's been sick. Maybe they'll hopefully like try to get him a game in, and you hope he's better tomorrow. But, it, I mean, it sounded pretty bad from what Rick Bonus was saying uh, yesterday. Like He's like, oh, man, he's really sick. So, uh, you know, it's going around, and I hope he feels better soon. Uh, there's a bunch of things that are going around right now. I uh, have a feeling. So you just hope the young man gets back and <clears throat> gets an opportunity to go out and actually play in an exhibition game before uh, heading back to junior. Oh, one other guy I didn't mention from last night that, you know, I mean, didn't really stand out per se, but was Chaz Lucius. And Lucius was playing, I think, with Torgerson and Ford, on, was, but was basically the fourth line. But he did get some power play time. And like as I say, I mean, I, I definitely want to see more and we'll get a chance to see him at the American Hockey League level this year. But he did show glimpses of the uh, the vision, the shot um, that made him, uh, you know, a top prospect. Biggest thing for Chaz is basically staying healthy. Uh, but I didn't mind his game last night in the uh, limited time he was out there. And, uh, you know, we saw some more glimpses of what I think they were thinking of when they made the pick when uh, when they saw when we saw him on uh, on that power play. And I'm sure he'll be getting plenty of uh, chances, health willing, to do that with the Manitoba Moose this year. All right, let's get over to the cool bet lines tonight. Um, Remo, we got a big game tonight. Jays continue their push to clinch a playoff spot. And, you know, I was talking with Pat Gregoire today on the lock shop. And again, you don't want to get too greedy, but would you agree the best case scenario for the Blue Jays would actually to be the third wild card? So they'd end up getting the twins at the top of the central as opposed to playing the Rays? Yes. I would rather play the twins. Although the twins, they're already setting their rotation. They got uh sunny grays had a great season. Pablo yep. Lopez, but yeah, the Rays were so hot, and we just know the Jays' record versus the East, which the Rays are in, which is not good. So I think you'd be better off going two and one on the weekend. And I mean, if it wasn't for Romano blowing that save, uh, his first in twenty six straight on Saturday, it would have been a sweep. Uh, as far as tonight goes, the Jays taking on the Yankees, Blue Jays with Gosman on the hill, minus one fifty nine favorites, Yankees plus one forty. And let's see, do we have our lock shop in here? Yes, we do. Jays to win, eight strikeouts for Gosman and Bo Bichette, two plus bases. We got that in the exclusives at plus 425. I think that was like 350 or something on the bet builder. So we got a nice little boost from the fellas. So uh, if you want to ride for the game tonight, that is up right now in the lock shop partner parlay section as our Ryder Cup. Maybe we'll have to get Feinberg on tomorrow. Talk a little football and some Ryder Cup after we uh, chop it up with the other guys. But yeah, Ryder Cup does begin early on Friday, which could potentially even be Thursday night for us here. And the, I, I was amazed. We were talking about this on the lock shop today. Uh, earlier today, it was... One of my, plus 105, plus 105 either way, and 12 to 1 on the tie. Uh, USA now plus 110, Europe even money to win the tournament. And uh, USA till a slight, slight uh, favorite to lift the trophy because as champions, if it does end up tied, 
they retain the Ryder Cup. Uh, tons of props there for you if you want to kind of get into one last crack at golf. Love the Ryder Cup. Been to the last couple here on, uh, in North America and uh, be very jealous of uh, friends. I think Andrew Collier is going to be getting out to uh, the Ryder Cup in Italy. He's out there for some reason. So uh, he's going to be uh, taking that in. Very, very jealous. All-time event if you ever get a chance to make it to the uh, the Ryder Cup. What do you think about this Jays game tonight, Reem? Are you uh, are you riding with Gosman and uh, they get the job done? Um, I can't, I want them to lose, right? Because I like Seattle and Seattle's behind them. So they're sucking right now. They they're lost sucking. Four in a row, three and seven in their last ten. They and lost they yesterday. Right now, they right they now are to... one and a half games back of Houston, who has yeah. that last bit. Now I guess they're playing Texas all week. Is that right? Well, they lost to Houston yesterday. They got dominated. And, you know, Seattle had that great August and just have fallen on their face here. And that's why, you know, you're a fan of a team for, like, you know, over 20. You know, they haven't had that success, in, you know, since 2001. So, like, you try not to get your hopes up, like, so high because you know you're just going to – it's not worth it. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. There's been a lot of heartbreak for there's, the Mariners over the years. Like, They're back even, at it tonight, 9 o'clock against you Houston. You have to be, like, close game. to have heartbreak. I mean, there'd be a couple of years where you think, like, yeah, maybe. But, like, it hasn't even been been close. So, no, I don't – I'm not cheering for – I mean, I, I guess for this show, I want the Jays to win for business purposes. Yeah, go Jays. We want them to win, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, for this show, could the, still get in. I mean, right now, basically, Seattle's trying to track down Houston for that last spot. The Jays are ahead of both of them right now. So, yeah, you could have it. your cake and eat it too. But yeah, we definitely want the Jays to get in. It'll be a heck of a lot of fun next week with some playoff baseball, including the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, coming up tomorrow, uh, what we're gonna get ready for another game down at Canada Life Center, Jets and Calgary Flames. So we'll hear the latest from the club heading into tomorrow night's game. We'll have the roster for tomorrow. And as Mike said, we do expect Connor Hellebuck to get the start. And uh, hey, Loren Brassois threw down the gauntlet yesterday with his 5 nothing shutout. We'll see what Calgary's bringing tomorrow. And we will talk about it on the show. And as they say, I'll see if I can get fan favorite Jeff Feinberg to jump on in the second hour of the program. And we can talk a little Ryder Cup and a little NFL football as well. We'll also have the latest on the Bombers from practice as they get ready for the Argos or, well, most of the Argos, unfortunately. No Chad Kelly, although maybe we shouldn't complain. Bombers need this win very, very bad. And um, listen, the game that will really count against the Argos if they end up playing is the one in Hamilton in November if they can get there. Um, Shout out to everyone that joined us in chat today. Don't forget, if you haven't uh, checked it out, our WST Jets ticket package, four games. Click the link in the description. If you're listening on the podcast, go to winnipegsportstalk.com and find out more. Shout out to T. Kona Pauly. We're getting him in there on that. And thanks to everyone that's jumped on that so far. Tomorrow night, back at it. Another preseason game day edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk is live at 1 o'clock. Thanks for being with us today, everyone. Have a great night. Get outside and enjoy the weather, and we'll catch you tomorrow at 1. Oh my god! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.